Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Learner's Corner. This is the podcast for lifelong learners, where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Ixenbaugh. Today, we are going to be learning from Clint Pugh, who is the Executive Director of Worship and Creative at Freedom House Church. Now, Clint is an interesting person for us to begin to talk with. Because Clint kind of wears multiple hats. He's the worship guy, but he's also the person who kind of puts together all of the stuff that you see on Sunday mornings at Freedom House Church. He, he's an interesting guy because he has a great perspective on worship, too. Um, for him, uh, he, he's so good at, 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 at understanding how worship works. And at the same time, um, one of the major parts of this conversation today is going to be about how to build teams. He's such a diverse person to talk with, and we were just able to have a great conversation with him. We are so, so excited to be able to bring you this interview. You may be thinking, Freedom House Church, that sounds a little bit familiar. Well, that's because we had Stephen Brewster from Freedom House Church on a few months ago, and if you want to check out that episode with Stephen Brewster, we talked with him about creativity and leadership. We'll have that episode in the show notes for you. But right now, we're going to join our conversation with Clint Pugh. Welcome to the podcast, Clint Pugh. We're so glad to have you today. Hi. So great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Clint, as we uh, start talking with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at Freedom House Church? Yeah, I'm the Executive Director of Worship and Production. Uh, I've been on staff, gosh, nine years now next year i'll celebrate 10 years um and it's been a fun ride i oversee like i said in my title oversee worship and production uh live production specifically and uh, i'm part of our teaching team part of our executive team so wear a few different hats but love what i get to do there and it's exciting what what would you say are some of the current challenges you're facing right now with being the executive director of worship and production uh, it's a good challenge, but the challenge of growth and growing with growth, not, not only personally, but seeing our teams grow. Um, we have two campuses at the moment and we have, you know, in our sites, a third campus. And as we, as we prep and plan, you know, we're a volunteer based team, uh, from worship and production. So, that takes quite some recruitment and development and leadership pipeline kind of stuff of, of finding volunteers, developing them, getting them ready. When, especially as uh, I'm sure you guys are aware of so many of us in, in church life now doing high production quality and high music quality, um, that can be, that can be a challenge of finding people who not only are ready, but can be developed. And so, it's a good challenge. I, I personally love those challenges. I love a problem to solve, but that's where we are is um, facilitating vision because in a good way, we always have a little more vision than we do resources, whether that's people or, or, or elsewise. So, um, so that's a current challenge of positioning ourselves for next year, uh, launching a campus well, growing our teams and making sure we have the right structure and people to do it really well. So that's where we're at right now. I love that idea of we always have a little bit more vision than we have resources because that's so true um, in the business yeah. world, in church world, everywhere. I mean, we always we always have dreams and things that we want to accomplish. Yeah, and you know, it's not always it's frustrating at times because right. you 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 want to hit a space where you're comfortable, 
but we also know comfort can be the enemy of progress and and it can it can you know we can as humans myself included we can tend to hit cruise control and just be like oh let's camp out here i'm it feels good we're safe it's it's comfy and we're doing great but thankfully our pastors and and so many pastors around have a vision and we personally have a vision to reach more people whether it's through business or or ministry and so we're always stretching and and looking how to how to move ahead and take new territory. So that's, it's exciting. And that's where we are in, in this season as a church. We're about to celebrate 15 years in September as a church. And uh, so we're looking to new territory and our goal is to have five campuses by 2020. And we're, we're making sure we can track to do that well and sustainably. So that's a current challenge, but it's a good one to, to wrestle with. You know, as, as that level of challenge increases, you know, what, what are you doing to grow your team's capacity and your own leadership capacity to help meet that level of challenge? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so personally for me, it's exposing myself to people who've been there and done that people who have gone down the road before me. They, you know, I have friends and, and connecting with guys who they've already built a team that's, you know, facilitating five campuses or eight campuses or, or even just three, um, uh, our staff culture and, and me personally, we're really big on just teachability, being being learners. And I love the name of your podcast because, you know, to, to lead, you have to constantly be learning. And so exposing myself and exposing the team to people who've been there and done it, to principles that you know, we learn from people like that. And, uh, and also not being afraid to learn from, you know, even maybe some people I'm coaching, other worship leaders who are at one campus and, they're figuring out how to do some things I've already figured out. The truth is they have some ideas that challenge me to rethink how I'm doing what I do at my level. So always being open to learn and grow from anybody. So number one for me personally, exposing myself to bigger thinkers, better leaders than me who've gone ahead of me. And as far as as a team, exposure is big, but also uh, as a, as a leader and visionary for the areas I oversee is just constantly challenging them in the right way, celebrating what we've accomplished, celebrating what they're doing well, but also constantly having that vision gap of, you know, there's still more growth to be had. There's still more territory, territory to take and, uh, and helping them realize that they personally can grow, but we as a team have more to achieve and people tend to gravitate toward that. They, I think we all want to strive towards something greater and better and so um practically maybe another aspect of answering your question would be uh as far as the development of the team as a whole is it has caused us myself and i've got a couple great worship leaders um around me on my team who we've had to rethink the structure of our team meaning we've had to break it down to some very um a variety of different opportunities that people could get involved in, even as a volunteer, um, and make it really accessible for different skill sets, different you know uh, uh, amounts of availability. You know, people are working, they have lives, and so making it like, hey, you may have this skill set, and you may have two hours a week. Let's involve you in this way to see the team as a whole level up and go to the next place. So creating new opportunities to involve more people instead of just looking for the ideal person that's going to fill this huge gap, let's break it down into bite-sized pieces that many people can tackle. And so we've had to just rethink our approach. So 
you know, going back to what you said, whenever you, you're learning stuff personally, you know, from these people who are maybe a level or two above you, what's your process of then, you know, once you learn something from them, going back to your team and then sharing it with them? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, at least in my experience, you know, you, you, you go to a conference, you visit a church or you talk with somebody and you have all these great ideas, but they may be scary for your team. So how, how do you how do you go about like passing on what you've learned to your team without necessarily scaring them? Yeah, well, I think first as a leader, our responsibility is to determine, um, you know, we can't eat the elephant all in one bite. So determine what are those, you know, from a conference or another leader I'm learning from, what's one or two very valuable principles that are applicable right now in this season for what's going to take us to the next level. So identifying that and narrowing it down because, you know, as leaders, we try to drink from a fire hydrant sometimes, but our team can't do that. And, and we can't, we can't force them to do that. So identify the one or two key principles that are going to take us to the next level. And then from there, I tend, and I, I've learned this from my pastors is kind of take the concentric circle approach of, so I start with the leaders closest to me and discuss it with them. Hey, here are two things that I think we need to implement. Here's two ideas, whatever it might be, get their buy-in, get their voice uh, of, yes, this is, this is where we're at and what's going to help us grow. Cool. Let's take it then to our next level of leadership within our worship team, production team, and then so on and so forth down through the ranks, so to speak. So that tends to, uh, tends to work for us. Cool. What what would you say have been like some like some key team building practices that you've implemented to help create a stronger team at Freedom House Church? Um well a few few practices I kind of referenced it a moment ago is to be honest for a while as a leader, um, and I think many of us can fall into this mindset, I know I did, is I look at where we are, where we need to go, and I think, man, if I had this one amazing person or these two staff members, man, it would take us to the next level. I could do everything that's in my heart, everything that I see, when the reality is we don't always have the budget for that. We don't always have those ideal people just walking through our doors or, or you know, they don't grow on trees. And so what I had to shift my perspective and, and some leaders around me uh, helped me with this was like I said, we had to identify, well, we don't have those ideal people that are going to take this huge chunk and just move it forward. How do we break it down to where many people with different availability and different skill sets can get involved? So, for example, um, with our worship team, we uh, uh, we don't have like a full-time MD. I have a guy who's kind of part-time contracted for that, but there's many layers of responsibility within our worship team to make it happen and, and to see us grow. So we, we said, well, what are the things we want uh, to achieve? So whether it be musical or creative or, or team care things that, you know, we just said, how can we divide this out to, um, to, to delegate and to see our, our influence and leadership spread down throughout the team and empower them to be, the, you know, the floor for the next level of this building to be built, so to speak, with our team. So we broke it down and, and just cast that vision to the team and say, hey, here's a bunch of opportunities, whether creative or team care or, or you know, team events, whatever we want you to bring a skill set. And 
we broke it down into specific roles, you know, vocal directors and all these different things that on a volunteer level, people could get on board with, grab a hold of it and run with it. Um, so what could have been, you know, two staff members doing all this stuff, we broke it down to where 20 volunteers could get involved or 15, you know, whatever. And so that, um, as far as team building has helped, um, other than that, a, a more practical thing I would say is in the probably the last year and a half, year and a half ago, we really revamped our onboarding process for worship specifically, which has been huge. And just to unpack this really quickly, whereas before, you know, in music and quality matters, you know, we, we don't want to be playing music, especially in the church that people come in and the quality just stinks, you know, because that's a, that's a turnoff yeah. in general. It doesn't matter where you go. Nobody wants to listen to poor, poor quality music, let alone when we're doing it for God and, and to honor God. So let's say on a scale of one to 10, I'm looking for a six or a seven quality out of 10 musician or vocalist. Before we didn't have the system to really develop someone who may be a, a four, a five or a six to develop them and get them to a six, seven or eight. We we kind of if you weren't a, a five and a half a six or above, you, there was uh, we didn't really have the on ramp. So we really rethought that because we found that we were missing out on some great potential uh, people that could get involved. So we revamped and and developed something called Emerge. And so from audition, uh, we have the Emerge process, which is culture classes and um, platform prep, which works in tandem with the rhythm of our rehearsal with the team that's already serving on the weekend. And so it really gives everyone a buy-in to developing new, new talent, developing new people. And it's just a much better systematic way of developing people that otherwise, honestly, we would miss out on. Mm -hmm. And so it broadens our, it broadens our, our funnel a little bit of who can enter onto the team. And so that's really helped our team building in that regard as well. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, let's say that I'm a musician and I'm uh, my, like on a scale of one to 10, I'm a, I'm a five. So I'm not quite good enough. Like right. what, what does the process look like for me from me saying, Hey, I'm interested to, Hey, I'm a, I'm a seven or eight and I'm able to play on a Sunday morning. Yeah. So just for hypothesis, let's pick an instrument of what you would play. What would you play? Oh, drums. Drums, yes. We always need more drummers. <laughs> so, um, you're, you're a drummer. By the way, and... he's living out a fantasy right now in his mind. I'm hey, just letting yes. you know. Just, just <laughs> let me go with it, Todd. Come on. Hey, here we go. So, you're a drummer. Um, you're interested. Uh, you would either, you know, maybe see a social media post that we'd say, hey, go to freedomhouse.cc slash audition. That's a little one-page online application that lets us learn a little bit about you. Maybe we run into each other in the lobby or you come up to one of our musicians and say, Hey, I'm interested. That's what everyone's going to point you to. That starts the process from there. You do an audition. We, we prefer video auditions. Um, uh, if you have the capability, some instruments are harder than others because of audio quality at home, uh, drums being one of those. So we do have the occasional, uh, every, Every other month, we'll do a live audition for people like you who are a drummer that you can't record it very well at home with a good audio quality. He's loving that you just called him a drummer. Yeah, you're a drummer. <laughs> I'm calling out greatness right now. So, <laughs> so you, uh, we, we line up an audition. 
um, um, you know, someone from our team would have already talked to you on the phone. Hey, thanks for your application. What do you do? They line up the audition. You come, you audition with the songs that we've already sent you. You've come prepared for. We hear you. So um, we have a lead drummer who's over all the drummers. Um, um, and he he would be there. Uh, another one of our worship leaders would be there just to observe, see how you do, give you feedback. And then from there, we we would say, hey, thanks for your time. We're going to talk and, and we'll get back with you on the next steps. The next steps, let's say you are a five, like our our um, very real uh, scenario is going here. You're a five. And um, we say, man, he's really got he's got potential. Let's put him into emerge. So what it would look like is there would be four consecutive culture classes on uh, on a weekend. And what you would do is we use Planning Center, like so many churches. It's an amazing tool. I recommend it. If you aren't using it out there for worship and production, you should. Um, four consecutive weekends, you would have, uh, assuming that works for your schedule, that's our preference, you would do culture classes. Things We talk about things that are practical, but also spiritual and cultural to our team. Honor, heart for the house, leadership, growth, some of those key cultural values of our team. So, so is, is the culture classes, is this a specific like worship ministry culture class or is this a whole church culture class? Specific to worship. Um, we do have a process called Get on Track. It's kind of like Church of the Highlands, you know, uh, for, right. for ours is three classes, but we took that model and tweaked it. This is worship team specific. So those cultural classes are specific to what makes our team our team, what makes us unique, what makes us what captures our heart and vision for our worship team and what makes us tick. So in those four weeks, you're going to come to a culture class, but also on that same weekend, you would have already been scheduled in planning center. And on average, we do about three, three songs in our worship set. So not to get too in the weeds, but to explain this process, you would next to those two songs, you would be scheduled as an emerged person in planning center. And you would see next to the first song, it says emerge, so you know, oh, I need to prepare for that song. And let's say it's the first and third song. So you would see, I need to prepare for Lion and the Lamb, and I need to prepare for, you know, what a beautiful name. And so you're going to practice those two songs knowing, and we would have already explained this whole process, that that the culture class happens, and you come, you observe our rehearsal, the team that's already actually going to be leading that weekend. We, we rehearse on Saturday at our central campus. Uh, the, the morning of at our South End campus. You sit in our rehearsal, so you're seeing how we do rehearsal. Again, that's culture, that's music. That's, you're, you're getting a lot of intangibles by observing that. And then immediately after our rehearsal, you're a drummer, so you're going you're gonna to swap with the drummer who's actually scheduled that weekend. The rest of the team's going to stay in position. You're going to swap with that drummer, get set up, and you're going to play with the actual team those two songs you were scheduled for. And what that does is you've got solid musicians around you. It gives us a real space to see how you came prepared, what are your strengths and weaknesses, and it allows our, our lead drummer to observe you as well as the worship leader, whoever else, and give you immediate feedback after that. So, um, again, to recap, you would have um, one of our volunteers. Uh, this is one of the roles we broke down for leadership development in our team. We have a volunteer, a leader within our team that's a volunteer that we trust, would facilitate that culture class. So they would teach that. You would sit in our rehearsal. You would swap out, play the songs you're prepared for, and then we would give you feedback. And 
Um, so eMERGE is going to last a minimum of four weeks. Um, now there is an open-ended aspect of you're a five as a drummer. It may take you two or three months to get to a six or a seven to where we feel like, hey, we feel comfortable and you feel comfortable with actually serving on a weekend or some other serving opportunity that's appropriate for you. And so we let people know that up front um, that we want to do our best to, to set you up to win. And we're going to be honest with you along the way. It may take two months. It may only take four weeks. But even if you're the best musician in the world, we have to assimilate you into the culture of our team. So it's going to be four weeks. Uh, if you are on the low end of that spectrum, we're going to, we're committed to invest in you as much as you're willing to invest in yourself. And if it takes four months or six months, I don't care. We want to do everything we can to prepare you as long as you're committed to the process as well. So that's what it looks like. Does that help? Yeah, yeah it does. Can, can you explain the culture classes a little bit more? Like what are some of the things that you talk about? In that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's test my memory here. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. We, on one week, we, we hit both honor and heart for the house because they kind of go together. Um, Another, so that's one of them. Another one would be leadership. Another one would be growth. And another one would be, what's number four? <laughs> I can't remember at the moment off the top of my head. But in those, we, t we talk about just some practical things. Yes, some scriptural aspects of that, um, like leadership, for example. Um, these are things that I wrote and some of the other worship leaders wrote. Um, and we developed these culture classes, but we talk about this, the scriptural aspect, but also the practical aspect, mm -hmm. you know, growth. Well, faithfulness in the Bible is demonstrated by, hey, parable of the talents. You turn two into four. So part of being faithful is growing and taking, you know, you're a good musician or a vocalist right now. But even once you're on the team, we're going to continue to encourage each other to grow. I'm still going to keep growing. You're going to keep growing. That's just part of being faithful. And stewarding our gifts so we'll talk about things like that and make it you know make it very plain of like to be on this team this is what it looks like and this is what we value and so those are some of the big topics that we hit cool so you know especially whenever it comes to to multi-site you know you have to have like multiple worship leaders and everything so like what what does your like process look like for replacing yourself from like the beginning of, hey, I've identified the person who could possibly be, you know, my replacement for leading worship or another one of the worship leaders through all the way through, hey, they're good, they're ready to go. What does that process look like for you? Yeah, so it, it starts with, you know, we're, we're constantly assessing everyone on the team um, just to see, you know, not just how they measure up, but more of like, What's their potential? What what could they step into beyond where they are right now? So as worship leaders, you know, whether it's a vocalist or someone who plays guitar and sings, you know, me and the other worship leaders, um, um, got Leslie and Garrett, uh, shout out to them. They're amazing. Um, we're constantly assessing, okay, we have this vo vocalist, um, John Doe. Okay, he's really good. We think he has the skill. So we're really big on co-leading on a weekend. Like I said, out of three songs, we might do three songs on a tag. Um, even if I'm on at max, I don't want to lead more than two songs out of three. I love to only lead one song out of three. Why? Because that means we're giving space for other people to step up and be, be developed. 
And so, so that, that we we implement that period, whether it's me, Leslie, whatever. And we're in a season now where our main worship leaders, me, Leslie Garrett, um, we're carrying on average maybe two thirds of the worship set. Just now that we are multi-site, but still we're constantly making room for people to maybe maybe even within a song carry part of it. You know, hey, you you lead this bridge. You know, Hillsong has written some songs recently, or Jesus Culture, where it's got male and female. And so those are great opportunities to, to tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, we believe in you. You've got this. Let's work with you and prepare you to do this. And then. Again, faithfulness, I'm big on faithfulness. And so let's see how people do being prepared for that and how they execute that. Were they teachable? Did they do it well? If so, well, then maybe we can trust them with a little bigger opportunity of leading a full song. And Mm -hmm. if they do that well. And so it really is kind of organic in that regard and giving people opportunities, seeing how they respond to it, you know, uh, being honest with them where they, where they don't do it well, being honest with them about what they did really well. And encouraging them to keep growing and then from there you know um it's you know it doesn't necessarily mean it'll turn into a staff position or whatever but but as we're looking toward three campuses four campuses five i obviously have on my radar who are the people within our ranks within our team right now that have that potential but then also trusting god that um like garrett on our team he wasn't from within our church he was from outside our church, but met him through a mutual friend and God just worked out some really cool things. And, and now he's on our team. And so that happens too. So, um, does that help give yeah. a little picture of how we develop from within? And, and yeah. Yeah. so we're, we're, we're always looking to like in the right way, not be in the limelight mm-hmm. as, as leaders. So, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, developing people so that, um, so that they're 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 good enough to be to play on a Sunday morning. What does like team development look like for like the normal like hey I'm already on the team like what does that look like? That's a great question. So this is actually something that I've in the last week been hitting really hard with not only the the people on staff within the worship department but also our volunteer leaders and and some of our layers of leadership is recruitment and development, is development specifically of our current team members, like you asked. And and this is something that we are doing okay, I would say. Uh, We need to improve. And so we're talking right now uh, about ways to do that, ways to improve. Right now we do a monthly gathering. Um, For a while we did, you know, you could call it team night, um, uh, monthly um, some people do it weekly, you know, Hillsong and other models, but we do it monthly just because of our rhythm. And and right now, the musical development aspect has not been emphasized. We felt the need to really, for a season, lean into the, the worship culture of our team and the relational culture of our team as priorities that needed to grow. And so out of a quarter, out of three months, we would do uh, two what we call worship community nights. And that's just everybody come together. We typically would do tacos. Everybody brings something food-wise. We would eat together. So we'll spend about 30, 40 minutes just eating and hanging out, developing a relationship. And then we'll have a couple people bring acoustic guitars, maybe a keyboard, and we'll just worship together. You know, there might be a song or two planned, but we would just spend some time just worshiping together, 
because we felt in order for us spiritually to raise the bar of what I and, and our team wanted to see on the weekend, we needed to practice that off the platform. And so for a season, that's been priority. And then the other month out of the quarter, we've done a traditional kind of team night where we come together, um, worship and production, talk about, you know, kind of where we're headed, maybe share a little, little, you know, equipping leadership, whatever message, and then break out, do some breakouts of training the different areas. And so, so since that's only been quarterly, the truth is it's an area that I'm kind of shifting our focus back to the practical of how do we get back in a monthly rhythm of developing our guitarists, monthly developing our drummers, monthly developing our vocalists. What I think we do a good job of is we're really good on a week-to-week basis of giving real-time feedback, coaching all the time, honestly, of giving really good input of, hey, you did this well, hey, next time, because we have multiple services, you, you, you know, you get multiple goes at like, hey, this little transition right there, you can smooth smooth that out. Hey, what if we approached it this way? So we're really good at that, but we need to get better, and we're revamping how we approach like team-wide development of current team members. So great question. That's an area of growth for us right now. So focusing, you know, I guess focusing a little bit more on like the worship side of things, you know, what's what's exciting you about worship right now? What's exciting me is now more than ever, there is a plethora of high quality worship Uh, there, not just from a music quality, but from what I would consider, you know, just a great heart and spirit. Um, There's a lot of great people putting out some great worship stuff you know from music to resources to it's just that's really exciting i think we live in right now kind of the golden age of of worship resources and um from people doing independent albums you know guys that i know here in charlotte and and around who whether however they however they fund it they're doing their own solo projects or tons of churches are putting out their own albums um so that's really exciting uh, for me to see that happening. Um, who, who are, who are some of the people that you're excited about or some of the groups or churches that you're really excited about for worship? Well, um, you know, default easy answer that we all look to and love would be people like Hillsong, Bethel, some of those, you know, uh, because they really honed in who they are and, stewarded their gift well and what they're called to do and they put out great great content you know annually if not more so that's that's amazing but um recently i've really been enjoying um some of the more organic i would say grassroots kind of vibe stuff like house fires which i know they're getting big on the radar too but but house fires um uh, had another one. I'm really excited to check out the new um, man. The name was right there. They just put out a new live album, and I'm gonna pull it up because my friend texted me yesterday, and it's gonna bug me. I'll find that and say it in a minute. But but some of the more uh, organic, raw, uh, you know, Rim Collective, uh, All Sons and Daughters. I think there's an interesting 
movement right now of of where things are headed. Um, I think high production quality will never go away, but I think it'll be interesting to see the next five to ten years where the worship, where worship music and the worship movement goes. Um, passion, the, the latest Passion album, mm. like to be honest, is one of their best in five or six years. Uh, that's, not, that's not a knock on them. I think they really, and here's, I say that to parallel this thought of what I see is I see people, whether individual or large groups like Passion, I see them going back to the root of, of what made them them. If you listen to the, the latest Passion album, you've got songs that remind me of Passion One Day way back when it started with Chris Tomlin and Delirious and all those guys of it's got that vibe, even though it's high production quality, it's modern, it's it's going back to kind of the roots of, you know, we got really creative and really, you know, spiced things up for, I don't know, the last four years or so. I think people are going back to just passionate, real, raw music. And that's why I think you see people like House Fires blowing up, All Sons and Daughters, just because people want authentic they want genuine and so i love the young and free stuff we you know we've we've trained up our our uh some students in our youth ministry to 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 run our youth ministry uh worship team they're doing a great job so i love that stuff it all has its place but i think there's an interesting kind of dichotomy happening right now of of really creative so like cody karns really loving kind of what he's branching into even Chris Kalala did his own solo project has this really creative different vibe I think we're going to see worship get more creative in that regard but at the same time the corporate raw organic movement I think will people will start returning more and more back to that does that make sense I keep hearing more and more uh, well actually more and more isn't the right word less and less of like electric guitar high 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 yeah. synth, all that stuff. It's it's starting to go away. It's going really to a secular band like the Lumineers. Like like it's the the sounds that I'm starting to hear now coming out of worship sounds more like the Lumineers or or some of these more acoustic based, almost folksy stuff. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. really kind of going into that, and and I don't know. I, I personally I like that. Um, do you see that happening on Sunday mornings in churches more, or are we going with more acoustic stuff, or, or like what do you see trending with that? Um, well, yes and no. I found the band that was City Harmonic. The City Harmonic. They just put out a live album. I look forward to, to listening to that. Let me answer your question. Um, I think, and this is me being really factual and plain so anybody who's hearing this this is not a judgment statement (laughs) just practicing um the thing with trends is you have as we know you have early adopters and you have like everybody gets on board and you have late adopters same thing with worship trend is you know i've grown up in the church i'm about to turn 33 i started leading worship when i was 13 so you know in the 90s you had a large revival if you want to call it that of like a large influx of worship music just blew up you know you had people like 
Daryl Evans and Delirious and like all these movers and shakers that really forged the way for modern worship music. Hillsong, of course, was in that and late late 90s, Hillsong United. And, and so you had a trend, a norm that was established of lead, lead guitar lines and YouTube vibe, Delirious, you know, and so everybody for how long now, 15 years, 10, 10 to 15 years, churches have said, well, quality worship music looks like two electric guitars, keyboard, acoustic, bass, drums, and now in the last, you know, however many, five years, three to five, really blown up with everybody at a certain level of using tracks to supplement all this synthy stuff. And, and so that's the norm now. What we're noticing, I think, is accurate as well. So the yes and no is, I think, the acoustic house fires, that kind of stuff, you're seeing a trend start to shift. I think it'll take a while for the church as a whole to get on board with that because the norm has just been the norm for so long. But but I also throw in an interesting um, observation, not saying I'm right, but this is my personal opinion. I think you also have to take into account um, generations, you know, what's happening generationally. Well, you got people like me. I love, I grew up listening to Delirious old school Hillsong United, you know, it's hilarious to me. I'll mention songs or albums and the, the younger guys on our worship team, they're like, what? And I'm like, Oh God, I'm old. (laughs) I'm officially old, but I love the stuff that I grew up listening to and cut my teeth leading worship to. Um, and, and, and so generationally we have millennials, you know, not to use a, a buzzword or, a trending topic, but we have we have a generation in the church who's now stepping into really influential spaces, you know, leadership of late twenties, thirty people in their thirties. And I think the future of the church is is important and it's that generation. And the truth is that impacts the desire, what resonates with them. Well not all of them grew up listening to what we listen to. And so they do like the things that are more organic, raw, house fires, that kind of thing. And so I think I think we'll see it start to shift that direction. I could be wrong, but to summarize that, you know, it also takes a while for I know there are some churches out there who do shout to the Lord every weekend. You know, it 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 and that's no knock on them. That's just it that's the nature of the spectrum of it takes a long time for, for churches to shift. So um, I do think we'll notice a change. I think I think it is shifting that direction. It's, but at the same time, it's cool that there's a ton of variety in worship. You know, there's and I don't know if that's ever going to go away in a good way because there's so many different types of people that it resonates with everybody. And um, but it is it is a good thing to kind of pay attention to the trend. You know, you talk about something. Um a few minutes ago that I want to hit on. And it's the relationship between, not between the band um, in the adult service and the band in the student, with students mm. as well. Yeah. And, you know, for me, you know, at least, at least in some of the churches that I've seen, there tends to be a little bit of a disconnect. Like there's the adult band and they're kind of doing what they're doing. And yeah. then there's the student band and they're kind of doing what they're doing. <laughs> and, so, the, yeah. and the student band gets all of the leftovers <laughs> and the student band they're, is unorganized, and they're kind and they're kind of left on 
on their own a little bit. So like what, yeah. and from at least from talking with you, it sounds like you've, you've worked to kind of make sure that there's a partnership between the yeah. two and that you're helping both of them. What have you done to facilitate that relationship? Well, yeah, I love that question because I know a lot of churches value the younger generation and are doing it well. I would say, I would say we've done it well. Our pastors and our church, they've developed a culture that we very much value the, the now generation, the young generation. So for us, they're not, number one, it goes to culturally the way we operate. We're one team. I don't care. I don't care what campus you serve at. I don't care how old you are. We're one worship team. Mm -hmm. Now you may serve in students more than you serve on the weekend, but we're one team. Um, so that, as much as that could feel like semantics to some people, that's how our team functions. Um, aside from that, we've also been very intentional that um, that we have a not an overly young platform. We actually have a pretty diverse platform. Uh, we've worked to incorporate the 15, 16, 17-year-olds into our weekend service. And so the truth is, the three or four guys that we've empowered to run our youth worship serve regularly on the weekend. They're guitar players or bass players or vocalists. And, and so we didn't just say, Hey, we're going to train you in this compartmentalized area. We actually said, there's room for you here now. And you're going to learn from us real time. And while you're doing this youth thing as well. Mm -hmm. And so so for us, our platform, you know, we have middle-aged dads who have, you know, corporate job and, you know, and, and we've got the millennials, hipster looking, tattooed, tattooed, whatever. And then we've got the 16-year-old, you know, ripped jeans, whatever. You know, it just, but... The, the challenge there is, okay, you make room for the generations, which I think we do well, and that's back to your question, but maybe a little caveat uh, or, or uh, parenthetical here is then churches like us, you know, we want to have a cohesive look on the platform. So I know you didn't ask this, but like some people would think, well, how do you do that and it not look like a hodgepodge of, yeah. you know, uh, you know, uh, the dad wearing khakis and a polo and the hipster wearing what he wears and the student. So for us, we have, um, we don't tell people what to wear. And I tell people coming on the team who are different than me, like, hey, I don't expect you to dress like me or look like me, but here's what we're going to do. So we set some, even some parameters on our attire so that we can all look like one team. And so we have color palettes. We don't do graphic T-shirts. We, you know, there's some basic things that we say, hey, you can be you, but if you wear dark jeans and a black shirt, guess what? I don't care if you bought it at Walmart or Target or Nordstrom or H&M, you know, we don't wear the same thing all the time. I'm giving an example of we, we, we narrowed it down to say, hey, let's, let's all take this approach of how we present ourselves on the weekend. So your style can shine through but we can still look cohesive. And um, so it, it, we had to get creative to say, how do we, how do we develop the young generation, make room for them? And I, and I think we've done it well. And, and kudos actually to our pastors because they've championed that for years. And uh, we've, we've just taken that and 
run with it and applied it in our area. So back to your, your question, the point is if you want to see, you know, if you, if you don't want them to feel pushed to the side and getting the second, the, 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 the leftovers, like you said, then you got to include them in, in what you're doing. You got to show them that you value them and that they matter, give them time and, and, and energy and invest in them, bring them along for the journey. You know, Hillsong has been, probably one of the biggest, most notable examples of that, you know, is they made room for the, you know, the guys in Hillsong United and, you know, and now look at who's impacting the world, not just the Christian market, but they're on the Today Show and whatever else. Why? Because somebody years ago made room for them. And so in the same way, um, we're trying to do the same thing. And, and thankfully, we're seeing fruit from that. So it's been fun to watch. So I guess the next question we have is, you know, how do you manage the tension between, you know, leading worship for people who have been in church their entire life, you know, they're fully devoted um, followers yeah. of Jesus, and then you have um, people who, it's their first Sunday, and, you know, they know who Jesus is, but they aren't following him. Yeah. Yeah, I think there will be always be tension there, but here's the common denominator, is sometimes we get hung up, not you, I'm just even me and we, we get hung up on church people or unchurched people. And the common denominator is their people. And the truth is, if we lead people well, it doesn't matter the background, we're, we're leading people. And people in general, we're, de- we're designed in the image of God. I'm going to go kind of a little more existential with it, and then I'll go real practical. We're all, we're all designed in the image of God. So like... Mm-hmm genuine authentic worship i don't care if you have a hard heart or not it's going to start to crack open something because we're designed to respond to that Mm. we're designed to respond to god um period i don't care who you are now practically you know if every week i get up and and again this is no bash on anybody who's listening to this if i get up every week and talk about being washed in the blood and I give no context to some very churchy statements, you know, people, people are going to be like, what did I just walk into? (laughs) Like my friend from work invited me. I'm here. And this guy is not only singing about some stuff, like he's talking way too much and he's talking about things that I don't know if I want to be washed in blood. And, (laughs) and, and the truth is, I'm not making fun because guess what? I, spiritually, we have an understanding of what that means. That person doesn't. So all that to say, practically, we're very intentional about how we lead. We don't water anything down. Uh, us, Freedom House, we, we, we're very, you know, we're a non-denominational, spirit-filled church. You know, that spirit-filled aspect even throws another wrench in things because people are like, oh my God, you know. So for us, we're very intentional about what we do from the platform and what we don't do from the platform, uh, how we lead, the you know, phrases we use. And, and to be honest, the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. Um, Jesus wasn't weird. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just making it plain. Like, like when you read the Gospels, what did Jesus do? He was brilliant at teaching and talking to people. Church or unchurched doesn't matter. He he used stories. He was very relatable. People didn't always understand, like, oh what man, they he was easy to understand 
hard to live it out. And so for us, we try to take the same practical approach of let's not get caught up in our church bubble and forget that we're just, we're talking to real people who have real struggles and they're coming in and doesn't matter if they've been serving God their whole life or they're just kicking the tires of, of church and Christianity. Let's, let's lead a hundred percent with passion and power and you know, anointing and, and, and all the Christian things that we would say, but let's also make it very plain and very real. So, you know, that's how we approach it. Um, specifics on that would be how we transition, you know, phrases we use. Uh, we don't script it. We don't tell everybody, but we're very, we help people understand like, Hey, let's just use real language. Let's use real phrases that people understand and we're not going to water it down, but we're going to, we're going to bring people along the journey. And so for us, that's been the easiest way to, to hit both categories, church and unchurched. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and we're, we're always also just learning how to, how to do that better. And cause I don't do it all. I don't always do it perfectly. So how do you manage the, the tension, um, in worship between, you know, being, being authentic and being yourself and being real and also like the performance, because it is, there is partly a performance. You want to put on like a good show, but you also want to be like true to who you are. How do, how do you manage that tension? Yeah. So I love that question because for years I, I wrestled with that whole, even the word or the idea of like performance, like no worship isn't a performance, you know, cause I grew up doing worship from a young age. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't in a band. I didn't do this or that you know, thing. And so for me, I was like, I was a purist, like, no, worship is worship. It's not a performance. And then, you know, at Freedom, I've been at Freedom House, you know, like I said, leading worship there for about 10 years and, and uh, um, started as a volunteer. And so I, I quickly understood that, wait a second, we can have excellence and, you know, the, the presence of God or, you know, the spirit of God or however you want to put terminology to it, like, both matter, not just the spirit of it and the heart of it, but also the quality of it. Because again, people are inviting people who are, who are, they're just normal people and they don't care about your heart on day one. They care about like, did it, did it sound okay? Like, and if it sounds good, it's going to engage them and they're going to actually want to listen. And then if it's creative, they're going to be like, wow. So, um, how we juggle that is we have a we have a pretty high standard with our team, helping them understand that you know in our terminology I say it often we we value excellence and the anointing we value the the presence of God we value the call of God on our life but it's not just an intangible spiritual thing it has to be very practical we have to number one bring our best to honor God because He deserves our best but also people people have to enjoy what you're doing you know it's music is designed to be pleasant uh and people want it to be pleasant just sonically and so that's how we prepare and bring our best vocally instrumentally but then also from production you know the mix in the room and and visually what we're presenting like we try to remove distractions and we don't want to we don't want to overperform to the degree that it's distracting from the true heart and nature of what we're doing 
but we also want to blend the two enough to where it's really quality and it's also very authentic and genuine and people can feel that and sense that. And so I think if your performance and presentation is equally matched with heart and, and, and there's a good hybrid there of they complement each other, then you see things even in even in the secular world, you know, John Mayer, he's one of the best worship leaders I know. You know, I've been to his concerts and I've literally nobody take this the wrong way. I've literally felt some of the same feelings at his concert that I've had in powerful worship settings. Why? Because he knows how to blend his gift, his performance, the passion in the right way that guess what? It causes you to respond. It like it resonates with you. So when we combine that with the calling of God on our life or the, the presence of God or, you know, his touch on it, man, that's a winning combination. So that's what we, that's what we try to try to have a good combination of. Awesome. Okay. As, as we're wrapping up, you know, one question we always like to end on our interviews with is what are you learning right now, Clint? Right now I'm learning, um, I've started listening to more and more of uh, Leadership University by Dr. Henry Cloud. Um, our team recently read, our staff team recently read The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Uh, great book. Um, another one not too long ago was The Ideal Team Player. All that to give you the short answer is I'm, I'm right now really intrigued by EQ. Um, emotional quotient, um, meaning oftentimes the lid that people run into uh, may not be a skill set incompetency um, or even so much a leadership incompetency as much as our, our emotional maturity and our ability to navigate uh, our own self, self-awareness, um, as well as our ability to work with others, motivate others, um, be effective with others, all comes down to this interesting aspect of spirit, soul, and body, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our emotional health and quotient. So that's something that's intriguing me right now, and I'm trying to learn more about, you know, from a practical scientific side, but also just a biblical healthy side of um, people who are smarter than me and who've written books or talked about it. And because I think for me personally, I want to grow in that awareness of my own self, but also in how I lead others better and how to better understand others. Um, so that's something that is intriguing me right now. And I'm, I'm learning about. Cool. Well, Hey, we've, we've loved having you on the podcast today. If, if people want to learn more from you or, you know, follow freedom house church, how can they do that? Yeah. Well, my personal social media is just, C Pew, it's my first initial Pew, P U G H. Uh, that's my social media handle, handle for pretty much everything. Um, my email address is cpew at freedomhouse.cc. Um, they can definitely encourage you to follow our church. It's at Freedom House, um, and our website is freedomhouse.cc. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Clint. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, coming out of that um, coming out of that discussion, I just feel like he, he had a great perspective 
on on team building. For one, I loved his systems and the way that he thinks about team building. I think that's applicable not just in by the way, it's not just applicable to uh, to worship ministries and how to train um, and, and kind of integrate people into into a worship team. I think it's applicable for every area, not just in the church, but in business as well. I think that's a great onboarding tactic to be able to use. And the other thing, you know, I just really feel like um, in terms of in terms of just uh, just uh, growing people, uh, how awesome uh, was that content being able to help people to grow and go to the next level and being able to, to kind of partner with them that idea of partnering with them, I just think is, is awesome. So in this interview, um, I just see that as being a conversation that, that, that can really help to be able to onboard people well, and also help them to take the next steps in their development and growth. Now, on the next episode of the Learner's Corner podcast, we're going to be talking with Clay Scroggins, who is the lead pastor at North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. And you may have heard of North Point before. North Point is um, the church that was founded by Andy Stanley, who is the senior pastor at North Point Ministries, and North Point Community Church is one of the campuses of North Point Ministries. And we're going to be talking with Clay about how to lead when you're not in charge. And he has a great perspective on that, and we're anxious to bring that conversation to you next week. The best way to make sure you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. If you want to see some of our key takeaways from this episode, check out our show notes. Well, in the show notes, you won't be able to see our beautiful faces, but you will be able to see a whole bunch of notes that pertain to the conversation that we just had. All you have to do is go into your podcast player. And either and either swipe to the and either swipe over or go to the drop down menu. When you do that, you can see everything that we talked about. There's links to any to, to any websites that Clint may have mentioned. There's also um, all of his Twitter, his Twitter handle, his Instagram. Everything is right there, as well as any quotes that we have as click to tweets, which makes it really easy for you to be able to simply tweet out the awesomeness that came from this episode. This podcast has helped you in a way you can show your appreciation by leaving some rating or writing a review of our podcast on iTunes or your podcast player. We always love reading our reviews and finding out how we can do better and what we're doing well also. You can also show your appreciation by hitting us up on social media, letting us know what you learned from the podcast or what you would like to hear about us talk about and learn from. You can like our Facebook page as well. Follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at the learners corner. Or follow us on Twitter, and our handle is at Learners Podcast. Until next time, keep learning and keep growing.